What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. You are listening to Veggie Doctor Radio, and this is episode number 68. Is your child a picky eater? Hey, I'm your host, Dr. Yami. I'm a board-certified pediatrician, certified health and wellness coach, author, and speaker. I'm also a passionate promoter of the power of diet and lifestyle in preventing and reversing chronic disease and bringing joy and longevity into our lives. This podcast is focused on plant-based nutrition, habit formation, motivation, and mindset so that you can have the tools to live the best life possible. Are you ready to get started? Let's do this. Various studies suggest that between one and two thirds of parents describe their young child as picky at some point. Dr. Katia Rowell, Relational Childhood Feeding Specialist. Happy Sunday, veggie lovers. Welcome back. Here I am to talk to you again. What did you think of last week's episode? Did that jive with you? Did it make sense? Have you thought about where you can start trusting your child's internal cues? If you're new to the podcast, I have been doing a series on intuitive eating, talking about the principles of intuitive eating, health at every size, size differences in children, dieting, and how it is not compatible with intuitive eating. And then last week, I talked about applying intuitive eating to children and the five pillars of healthy eating that I elaborate on in my book. So I hope that you have enjoyed this series so far and that you've gotten something out of it. I'd love to know what you think. This week, we're gonna talk about picky eating, which is really common. But before I get to that, I wanted to remind you that my book is going to be out soon. I know some of you have been so patient because I've been talking about this forever. I know, suddenly I'm getting really impatient myself and I want to have that book in my hands. If you are not already on my newsletter and you wanna hear updates about my podcast episodes and other news, you can sign up at dryami.com forward slash sign up. So that is D-O-C-T-O-R-Y-A-M-I.com forward slash sign up. Or you can text the word fiber, F-I-B-E-R, to the number 66866. The name of my book is A Parent's Guide to Intuitive Eating, How to Raise Kids Who Love to Eat Healthy. Before I go on, I wanted to give you the little disclaimer. The information on this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. So it is not meant to replace careful evaluation and treatment. And if you have concerns about your child's eating, nutrition, or growth, please contact a medical professional have them do a thorough history and physical so that you can get the help that you need. But hopefully the information that you get on this podcast 
can be helpful and it can help you whenever you are working with a medical professional. All right, so picky eating. I hear about picky eating all the time because I'm a pediatrician and I do well child checks and parents describe their child as picky. So up to 50% of parents of toddlers describe them as picky. But as you heard in my quote that I had at the beginning of this episode, up to two thirds of parents will describe their young child as picky at some point in their development. So that's the majority of parents. The highest prevalence of this picky eating is between one and six years of age. And so this is the time that children are changing developmentally, they're exploring their environment, they're becoming more independent, they're learning to talk, they're learning to say no, <laughs> they're learning to exert their themselves and really say, you know, what they want, what they don't want. And it's, like I said in the last episode, it can be really confusing to parents because they had this infant that maybe wasn't rejecting any foods and liked everything and ate you know, just voraciously. And then once they become a toddler, they start becoming finicky and something that they used to love, they no longer love. When my oldest was probably around two and a half years old, he used to love these whole grain waffles and I would put whipped cream on top. And I don't even know why I started doing that, but he loved it. He loved it. So I would make them on the weekends, these waffles. We would have it with whipped cream on top and he would just eat it up. And he's always just been, he's been like me, like his mama. He loves to eat. We love food and just, you know, eat it. No problem. Well, one day for whatever reason, I gave him his waffle. I proceeded to put whipped cream on top. And it, it was like, I don't know what happened. It was like some kind of weird switch got flipped. And all of a sudden he's like, no, I don't want whipped cream. And like out of nowhere. And he just like threw it and rejected it. And it was just like the weirdest thing. I was like, well, you liked it yesterday or whenever it was the last time he had it. But that day he did not want it for whatever reason. And of course, as time went on, he liked whipped cream again on his his waffle. So it was like for no reason, who knows, he just was having a bad day or whatever. But that's really, really common with toddlers. It just is something I hear from parents. The other thing that's interesting about toddlers is that their calorie needs change because they're not growing as fast as they were when they were infants. And so they may not be eating as much or as frequently as they were when they were younger. And they're way more interested in exploring their environment. Like their number one job is to just develop that brain and play and explore. And it's just like endless opportunities for them. They want to climb on everything. They want to touch everything. They want to just really explore everything. And because of that, they may not be quite as interested in food. It just doesn't hold the same level of interest for them. And so they start changing how they react to food and that's confusing to parents. And then they start labeling their child as picky. The other thing that's really real is that strong flavors, especially bitter tastes that are common to vegetables and some plant foods really are acquired. 
All flavors are acquired, but these strong flavors especially take a little bit longer to acquire. So it takes persistence, it takes patience, and it takes time. I've seen all kinds of figures, but the one I settled on for my book is that it takes a minimum of 15 exposures for a child to start accepting a food, 15 exposures. So that's a lot, and that's a lot of patience, and it's a lot of them making a face, throwing it down, saying they don't like it, turning up their nose, and of the parent being like, okay, that's fine, we'll try again another time. There's also a small percentage of people, maybe not that small, it's up to 25% of the population that's considered a super taster. I think I'm one of these people that can taste bitter flavors even more intensely than others. I really can't stand bitter flavors, but I have acquired the flavor for vegetables. So I love vegetables, but like things like coffee and beer and stuff like that, I can't stand that flavor. It's just way too bitter for me. And for some of these children, if they're super tasters, it may take them a little bit more time to acquire these tastes. And because of that, they may, you know, like I said, make these faces and throw things down and then we will label them as picky. So, you know, there's definitely differences. There's food preference differences and there's difference in personalities. There's some kids that are just going to be a little bit more wary of new foods and new things in general, new experiences. So if they haven't had a food before, they're going to be like really cautious. They're going to be, uh, take the, their time a little bit more and it's just a, a personality difference. But I think that most of the time when parents are lab- labeling their child as picky, I don't think that the child is truly picky. I think what's really happening is that when it comes to mealtime, the child just isn't as hungry or isn't eating as much and the parent starts to get worried about that. But there are some things that may cause a child to not have a good appetite or be as hungry for meals. So what causes this change in appetite or this decreased appetite at mealtime? I think it's this persistent, frequent snacking, eating between meals and drinking caloric beverages between meals that is happening because this is really common when I take a diet nutrition history in my patients with the parents that feel that their child isn't eating very much at mealtime, I find that their child really is eating, it's just all throughout the day, in between meals, drinking juice, drinking milk between meals. And this is changing their motivation to eat because they're just not very hungry at mealtime. So they're following their intuition and they're saying, I'm not hungry, so I'm not gonna eat that. So I'm going to talk about what we can do for most children, because I think the majority of children are just being typical children. There is definitely such a thing as extreme picky eating, and there are children that may have conditions that limit their food intake severely or their food variety severely to a concerning level. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. 
Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. You know that this might be happening because their food preferences or their way of eating starts to interfere with their physical, social, or emotional development. And this is beyond the typical picky eating or the beyond the typical childhood development, okay? So if this is happening, then this is definitely a time that you want to consult a medical professional. And we're gonna talk more about that in the next episode. So I'll tell you a little bit more at the end of this episode about that. But I'm not saying that this that every single child is what I'm saying is this typical childhood, quote, picky eating. But I think that what I'm going to talk about today is going to apply and help all children, but it may not solve all the problems for everybody. There are some kids that may need a little bit more intensive intervention. Okay, so what are we going to do? I'm going to talk about four things that you can start doing for your quote picky eater, okay? So number one, avoid labeling your child. (laughs) So I see a lot of parents in front of their kids label their child as one way or another when it comes to their eating. Picky eater, they don't like to eat, they're a fussy eater, whatever. And these children really do start to internalize this message that this is the way they are. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, but it just becomes self-fulfilling in both ways, right? Because if there's a parent that believes their child is picky and they just don't want to eat certain foods, then they're going to stop offering those foods very often to those to that child and it just becomes a vicious cycle. So number one is avoid labeling your child. It's okay that you know that there's one child that may be a little bit more cautious when it comes to foods, may not be quite as adventurous. It's okay, but you don't necessarily need to label them as picky, okay? Number two, structure meals and snacks or structure these meal, these eating opportunities. We're gonna talk more about this in the next episode. But I think it's really important that we start having breaks in between our eating opportunities. If you have a child that's continuously eating all day, they're grazing all day, they're drinking juice, they're drinking milk all day long. And I'm not talking about infants, that's different. I'm talking about older children, toddlers, preschoolers. Then when it comes to mealtime, they're just simply not gonna be hungry. So you put the meal in front of them and they're just like, eh, you know, I'm good. I'd rather go play. So, and I'm not saying that even if you do structure meals and snacks, that your child is always going to come to the table hungry because there's differences in appetites, there's differences in appetite patterns. But at least if you don't already have some sort of flexible structure when it comes to your child's meals and snacks, that's something that you can start now because you're going to see some differences when it comes to their appetite. Or what I mean is some positive changes in their appetite at mealtimes. Okay, so structuring those meals and snacks, avoiding the all-day grazing session. Number three, this is kind of elaborating on the second point, but just hopefully driving it home a little bit more, is avoid consuming caloric beverages between planned eating times. 
basically my recommendation is to drink just water between meals avoid juice milk even plant-based milk between meals and this is for the older children i'm not talking about infants here because that's going to abate the appetite but also you have to think about the health of your child's teeth so if they're drinking juice drinking milk even if it's plant-based milks sipping those throughout the day, then that increases the risk of cavities because there's sugar around the child's teeth all day. So we definitely wanna avoid that and I recommend water only between eating opportunities. Now this doesn't mean that if you have a child that needs to eat every two to three hours that you don't present an option to eat every two to three hours. What I'm saying is, don't make it like they're eating and drinking juice and milk all day long without any structure to it. And then number four is follow Ellen Satter's division of responsibilities. As a parent, you decide what, when, and where. What are you going to present to your child? Are you going to make them this meal, the snack, whatever, that has some stuff that they like, but also with some new things? When is it going to be? Approximately what time of day? What's the schedule going to be for their meals? Where where are they going to eat it? At the table, sitting down with you, with the family. That is your job. You decide what, when, and where. The child decides if they're going to eat and how much they're going to eat. And that's what they have autonomy over. That is their job. You step back, you let it go, and you just... Let the child take over and take over the rest. You trust them. So that is the intuitive eating part. So I think that even though these things sound very simple, it sounds like you're not doing very much, these tweaks can really change a lot in how your child starts to approach food. And you'll see that also it decreases the stress. So just like I talked about in the previous episode, You're not going to be bribing or forcing or telling them that they have to eat it all before they can get off the table. They are going to decide. But it also takes patience and time because if you have been doing that for a long time, your child has to learn that you're not going to do it anymore. They're going to have to learn how to trust you about that again too before they start to relax. And they're like, okay, well, it's safe. It's safe for me to take a bite of this broccoli because she's not going to make me eat it all before I get to go do something else or get to leave the table. It's safe. It's safe for me to explore. And that takes time. It takes time for us to kind of relearn that way of eating. So number one, avoid labeling your child. Number two, structure meals and snacks. Number three, avoid eating and drinking between planned eating times. And I'm talking about drinking caloric beverages. Definitely drink water all day long for sure. And number four, follow Ellen Satter's division of responsibilities. You decide what, when, and where. Your child decides if and how much. Okay, so earlier I discussed that there is such a thing as extreme picky eating. There are some children that have developmental uh, genetic disorders, maybe autism or sensory disorders or even anatomical issues and other medical problems that may affect their appetite, their ability to eat, their intake. And these children may need even a little bit more, some other techniques and some more in-depth strategies 
on the next episode, we're going to talk more about extreme picky eating and I'm going to give you a great resource that I love that might help you and at least get you started on that path. But either way, for most children following this might be different from what you're doing right now. So give it a try and let me know what you think, what you think. So the call to action for this week is first of all, notice where you are labeling your child and start noticing which circumstances that we've discussed today may be affecting your child's intake at mealtimes. Are they snacking? Are they drinking juice, milk between meals? And then just start to think back. What is their eating style? What is their metabolism like? What is their personality like? Are they a child who eats more for breakfast or more at dinner and not very much at the other meals? So just start paying attention to this and just try to see where it is that you are starting to label them and why it might be that they eat the way that they do. So that is your call to action for this week. And next week, I will be back with a wonderful guest, and we're going to be talking about extreme picky eating. So I hope that this episode was helpful and that you can take some of these tips and start applying it to your household and your family so that you can have a more harmonious table and that your child can learn again, to trust themselves, to trust you. You can learn to trust your child and that together we can eat more health-promoting foods in a more relaxed and happy manner. Thank you so much for being here today. If you like this episode, please rate and review it. Please subscribe. Please share it with somebody that you think will benefit from this information. I appreciate you so much and I'm so grateful that you are listening to these episodes and I hope that you have a very plantastic day. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you for tuning in and I look forward to having you back again next week. A very special thank you to the band Rocket Surgeons for permission to use the broccoli song. To find out more about the Rocket Surgeons, please visit their website at rocketsurgeonsband.com or Facebook at Rocket Surgeons Music. Please subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Also, all of my social media links can be found in the podcast description. Send me a message and let me know what you think of today's podcast sharing is caring. Please share, rate, and review my podcast and drop me a line if you have ideas for future episodes. Thank you once again and have a plantastic day. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.